Alan Hirsch Advisors, creating aha moments, presents Aha Business Podcasts. We provide opportunities to discover information to help you run your business and guide your decision making. The more you know, the better decisions you make. For more information, log on to alanhirschadvisors.com. I'm your host, Alan Hirsch. Uh, welcome to today's podcast. My guest is Robbie Samuels. He's host of On the Schmooze podcast. Uh, he's a keynote speaker, uh, a TED Talk speaker, uh, relation, a relationship-based business strategy coach, and is, and is a networking expert by Harvard Business School. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to work? Um, I think it's the impact that I have on people. I love what I do. I work a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm loving that I'm seeing transformation. I've, I've been doing different things over the years, but the idea that you can help people see beyond what their own capabilities are and then actualize that, like that feels very rewarding. And recently I've discovered that the amount of time can be shortened. It used to be years it would take for that. And now the work I'm doing currently this is happening within a few weeks. So it's just, it's just wonderful to see this. So what kind of work are you doing that uh, uh, now that's taking a few weeks? Well, since uh, March, I had to shift my business from being about uh, teaching people networking. As you mentioned, I've been recognized as a networking expert by a number of, of different news outlets and uh, companies. And so uh, none of that seems very hyper relevant right now. <laughs> I contact business cards. <laughs> Handshakes, body language, yeah. yeah and, so, and all of that's disappeared. We, we, yeah. we, we can't do that anymore. So I, I really, I had a, I had a definite um, mo moment in uh, mid-March, mid, uh, I guess. It was March 9th or 11th, where it was like, how do I show up? How do I add value? And on the 11th, I decided my, my pure mastermind kicked me in the butt a little bit. And uh, that led me to write a nine ways to network in a pandemic little article. And I shared that on social on, on the 12th. And I should probably do one of these. And so then I, on Friday, the 13th of March, I hosted my first weekly, well, at the time I didn't know, my first virtual happy hour. I didn't know what it was going to become. Um, the following week is the first time I did that I can recall any kind of thing with uh, breakout rooms. I didn't know how I had them, just like most people did not know they had them. Right. And uh, by April, I was formalizing that as a weekly event. And I've now had nearly 800 people sign up, which has been wonderful. And in May, I launched a four-week program, which is the which is the the one of the transformations I've been able to see is that people are going from you know really unclear about how to translate what they did in person to online in an effective way, how to design an engaging experience, un unclear about the technology, the facilitation, etc., and to see people go from week one to week four, and actually now it's a certification program. I've now run that four months in a row, and I'm now certifying people. No more bad Zoom. And it's, it's an incredible thing to see the shift in possibility. And now they can go take their gift, which is whatever their message is, whatever their talent is. But now the, the technology is no longer in the way. So that's, that's been really wonderful. So what are some of the techniques that you teach? I mean, uh, uh, using Zoom, I, I never used Zoom before the pandemic started. Uh, my appointments were all personal. Uh, yeah. And I, so I've changed everything I've done. What, what do you do? What are you teaching that's so revolutionary? Well, I have been on Zoom for years. Uh, it's the platform I use for my own podcast interviews. Originally, I was on Skype, but years ago, I moved to Zoom. Mainly, I moved to Zoom because Skype required a password and a login, and my, my, my podcast guests 
it caused them anxiety because they never remembered what that was. <laughs> so I thought I'll move to something that's easier. I give them one link. And so I didn't really explore what was possible with Zoom. It was just to me a video conference, you know, platform. I was period. I didn't really explore the rest of it. So I didn't know things like breakout rooms, which has been such, it's been such an incredible resource to be able to you know, bring people together and have those smaller groupings. But the main thing I've realized is that we can't just be replicating the events we had in person online. We need to reimagine them using all the digital tools available. And that here, here's an example. Okay. So if I give you this award-winning French cookbook and I, as I hand it to you, I say, you will make the most amazing food if you just follow, just follow the steps in this book. And you pick up the book and you're flipping through and you're thinking, I don't have any of these ingredients. And, you know, I don't know if I'm great with sharp knives and I don't usually measure things properly. Like how confident are you <laughs> that you're going to make this amazing quiz, French cuisine? So that's kind of what Zoom is like, because if you don't have your settings right, and that's the ingredients in this analogy, if you don't have the, the settings, then you don't have breakout rooms. Like they just don't exist or you don't have whiteboard or you don't have polling, right? Or you don't have the, uh, the yes, no feature or this is all these things you have to turn on. So that's the settings. Get that out of the way. The next piece is you have to have strong online facilitation because facilitating in person, it's different. You know, someone goes on a little too long. You kind of look at them. You lean in. You might walk towards them. If they're on a stage, you might even stand up on stage next to them, put your arm around them, like convince them it's time to go. Here I am. I'm looking at you. Do you know I'm looking at you? You know what I mean? Like there'd be 50 people on the call. They're like that and I'm gonna keep talking. So there's different techniques that you have to do online to manage the experience. And then you have to use the technology so that people know who's going to go next. And, you know, sort of this, for me, one specific tip I'll give you, Alan, is what I call the on deck method. So that uh, in a moment, you know, um, Alan's going to go first and we're going to be doing introductions. And now you're paying attention because you know you're going to go first. And so here's, the, here's how I'd like you to introduce yourself. Okay, so here's the instructions. And now we're going to hear from Alan and then Ben. And so now Ben goes, oh my gosh, wait, I better pay attention to what Alan's doing because I wasn't paying close attention before, but I'm going to watch to see what Alan does. And then when you're done, I say, okay, now we have Ben and then Christine. And you notice there's always an on deck. So that's a methodology you don't need in person because in person, it's usually pretty clear who's next because you're going in a row, right? You're going in a circle, you're going down a row. It's not as like popcorn style. And I think a lot of times we're confusing people. Um, so there's just a lot of little things. And the last thing I would say is, is the tech itself, which is as a presenter, how do you move from your slides to just being on camera? And how do you go back to your slides? And if you don't, if the answer is, I'm not really sure, PowerPoint takes over my whole window and I'm stuck. Well, now you got to go investigate in other ways because there are other ways to do that. And it's not engaging to hide behind your slides. Like 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one monitoring chat was never a great plan and it's still not a great plan and people are gonna that, that's the zoom fatigue we're, we're all experiencing is people not not being wonderful with their technology so how do you use some of these techniques particularly you know the 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 sharing your screen so that you're not hiding behind the powerpoint uh and you're you're in a position to answer questions during the middle of a powerpoint well um my, my shortcut answer is switch over to using Google Slides because Google Slides makes this very easy. Uh, they actually have built in an option on the bottom of the screen that lets you escape or exit. I think it says exit full screen. And you can also pop up your speaker notes as a separate, um, a separate uh, window very, very easily. But on PowerPoint and as of July 2020 on Keynote, so both PowerNote and Keynote 
have an option called play, uh, play power. Well, I guess I say play slideshow in window. They're called slightly different things, but essentially it's play slideshow in window. The in window here means that it doesn't take over your full screen. And if it doesn't take over your full screen, now you can see your zoom controls. You can see your chat. You can see, um, you know, the share screen option. You can switch things around. So um, the, the only thing is you don't see your notes. And so my suggestion there is to print your slides to a PDF and then open them in a separate window. So then you'll have one window, which you're sharing, which is to your slides. And then you can even cover that mostly with the notes that you have because, you know, you don't need to see what's on the slides that are being shared. You, you know what's on there because it's on your, the, the PDF that you have in front of you. And then you can kind of just scroll through and uh, kind of advance the slides as needed. So the, part, part of this is like practice. It's like knowing it's possible, practicing it, um, figuring out, you know, if you have a second monitor, monitor, that makes it even easier. So what I just described was for people who have one monitor. And particularly if you only have a small, you know, laptop to do this with, it's, it takes some coordination. But yeah, having a second monitor, it's like an inexpensive way to really amplify what's possible because it's not engaging. Like Zoom fatigue really comes down to two things, Alan. One is the information has to be highly relevant. So I kind of want to assume that what you're doing is highly relevant for your audience, but I can't assume that. You've got to really know that it's hyper-relevant. The other one is that you have a very engaging presentation. And engaging usually means that you're interacting with your participants and they're able to interact with each other. Those are the kinds of things that make things really engaging. And if you have both, I mean, I've, I've done calls that last two and a half to three and a half, four hours. And people, like I'm the one who has to shut it down because people won't leave. Um, and that's right here in the middle of this pandemic where people are telling me about Zoom fatigue. If you have one of them, it might work. So if I was, um, if I was ready to buy a home, I'm a first time home buyer, and I sign up for some realtors program about first time home buying, which is, you know, hyper relevant for what I need. Maybe they're a horrible presenter who reads their slides, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and doesn't do any of these engagement tips. But, you know, I'm going to be right there, you know, taking notes <laughs> because it's, it's like exactly information I need. And then on the other hand, I like neuroscience. Like it's not hyper relevant to what I do, but I think it's, it's a curious thing. And I've seen some relevance to the work I, I do. And yeah, I'd like to learn more. But if I go and you're reading your slides, I might back off and just decide I can spend my time other other places, right? So if you're not, you know, that's where it's like, oh, it's not super relevant to me. Maybe I, maybe it's not needed. This person's not a great presenter. I don't want to sit here being like talked at. So I think, you know, there's the, there's the knowing how to use the how, the technology, and like YouTube is wonderful for finding that out. Like if you want to know how to, how to use breakout rooms and, you know, all that stuff, there's, there's some great tips on that. But what you're, what that, What's usually missing in those searches is the why, is the purpose, well, is that's, the philosophy or strategy. Right. So it's very important to understand why you're doing it and why you're trying to present it. Uh, I mean, I, I do a, I'm going to be doing a, a, a presentation in mid-September, September 22nd, I think. Uh, and uh, I want to try to make it as interactive as possible in order to maintain the engagement of all the clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, I guess part of this is being really clear on the purpose of the event and what is the promise that participants are hoping you'll keep. So the promise usually comes down to content and connection. You know, events are about content and connections. The reason we got on planes, if we can just like remember back that far. <laughs> the reason we got on planes and, and went to conferences, it wasn't just 
for content because we had access to content through virtual means, um, podcasts, webinars, YouTube, et cetera, books. <laughs> books have been around a long time. Uh, but we went hoping to meet people. In fact, there was a study by the International Association of Exhibitions and Events found that 76%, 76 percent of people surveyed said that networking was a top driver for why they chose to attend an event. 76, three quarters of people. Now, in, in actuality, how many people actually follow through with that intention? Probably much lower than 76 percent. So that's the work I was doing was helping close that gap. So the message for me hasn't changed. Events are about content and connection. I'm just, the medium has changed. The medium is now online. Virtual events can no longer be the exception to that rule. We can't just have these like webinars, you know, and then which is people talking at you. Uh, you don't see the participants. Participants don't even get to ask questions. Like we've had some really lousy formats in the past. That's Zoom fatigue. No one wants to keep doing that. But they also don't want to go to these. Um, there's a lot of like happy hours that popped up for a while there that have no purpose. Like a happy hour was just like random people showing up um, to connect for a little bit. Like I, I think the reason my, I host a, a weekly event called uh, No More Bad Zoom Virtual Happy Hour. It's every Friday at five o'clock Eastern, nomorebadzoom.com. And people have been coming since March 13th and I still attract 50 or 60 people every week. I get a hundred plus people signing up, maybe 200 people signing up a month. I mean, it's been like fast. Um, it's, it's building momentum, but I'm still going strong because it's a mixture of content, Zoom tips, right? Zoom technique, demoing, lots of networking, lots of let's try this and experiment with this, or bring in a guest every other week to do a demo on something. And that's the first 75 minutes. And then I do 45 minutes of Q&A and demos just to, about anything real on this topic. And, you know, I didn't plan for it to be a two hour event. It was originally an hour and then it was an hour and a half. And then People wouldn't leave. And now it's like, I know, okay, I'm going to end at 7 Eastern. And now I wrap by 7.30 Eastern. And it's like people are just hungry for community. They're hungry for knowledge. And when you can find both in the same context and there's some humor, um, people want that. And so compared to a lot of my friends who were hosting sort of, sort of general poppy hours, those have sort of faded. And I'm not saying that they don't have a place. I think there's still a place for them. The ones who are well organized, you know, who are again doing these like good techniques around breakout rooms and knowing how to facilitate the conversation in a nice way. Um, one of the things is figuring out what questions to ask people as they go to breakout rooms. You know, I was sent to a breakout room, seven people, 15 minutes. Okay. Three questions, seven people, 15 minutes, three questions. However, you know, it's like an impossible ask. And right. the first question was, tell us a problem you're, you're having right now. You know, share, share a challenge. So what happened was the first person <laughs> went. And, and that was it. The, and that was it. And the rest of us all started helping them. <laughs> right. And so depending on the question and, and the answer they provided, it's either a, a hot seat mastermind style or it's therapy. But Right. We didn't get to. So fine. I was like, uh, we have like three and a half minutes left. Can we all just say hello? <laughs> so I, I think like understanding what kind of question to ask, you could say, um, share a challenge you had and how you overcame it or lessons learned, right? Those kinds of things are past tense. They share your resilience. They share your, your, um, your, your ability to like problem solve. They share the lessons you've learned. We learn a lot about you. We connect on the humanity level about that experience, but I'm not feeling like I have to solve something for you. So there's just, this is nuance, right? Alan, this is, 
You're, Honestly, this is being called Robbie's pet peeves because none of these <laughs> things are egregious. They're just these minor things that add up cumulatively to not a great, it adds up to bad Zoom. Right, absolutely. Uh, we need to take a break for run a couple of commercials. When we come back, I'll continue with Robbie uh, Samuels, host of On the Schmooze podcast. I'm Alan Hirsch of Alan Hirsch Advisors, and this is AHA Business Podcast. Hi, Rick Dempsey here. As a former Oriole and Series MVP, I know a lot about winning and championship teams. Today, I'm happy to tell you about my award-winning web design and internet marketing team, Adventure Web Interactive. For over two decades, many of Maryland's most successful firms have chosen Adventure Web as their strategic partner for web design and online marketing. I can tell you from using them personally, their search engine optimization and social media programs have saved their clients tens of thousands over the traditional pay-per-click digital agency. Visit AdventureWebInteractive.com and listen to what clients such as Hercules Fence, TriStar Electric, ABC Rental, Rhine Landscaping, Markdown's Office Furniture, and many more highly successful firms have to say. And don't forget to tell them Rick Dempsey sent you. Strengthen, protect, and preserve your retirement nest egg. Scott Garceau here for the Stephen J. Sless Group, Baltimore's reverse mortgage specialist. Reverse mortgages have evolved to become a viable retirement tool. Enjoy retirement without monthly mortgage payments, improve cash flow, pay off debt, and stretch retirement savings. Stephen and his team can offer strategies to make housing wealth work for you. If you're 62 or older, learn if a reverse mortgage could help. Visit ReverseBaltimore.com. An equal housing opportunity lender. This is not a commitment to last. Stephen J. Sless, NMLS 298581. PRMI, NMLS 3094. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Robbie Samuels is my guest, and he's the host of the Schmooze podcast. Um, when you were talking and started the conversation, you mentioned in March, you came up with a list of nine things that you had to change. So what were the nine things? I mean, we then talked about some of the uh, things that you have to do, you think you need to do, or anybody needs to do to prevent the Zoom drag and the so forth. So what are the nine things that, that you outlined that you needed to do? So the article was actually nine ways to network in a pandemic. And it was, um, it was sort of a bridge between what I had been doing and I guess what I'm doing now in the sense that networking is not tied to in-person events. Networking is not something you only do when you get on a plane and travel somewhere. Networking is something that can happen at the you know, DMV or the RMV. Uh, grocery store, right? And, you know, so how do we do that online now? And one of the things I, I thought of was that there are people that you would have seen at an event that got canceled, or maybe went online, <laughs> use it still as a reason to reach out to them, you know, or um, organize a peer led discussion, uh, virtually around a topic that is related to that uh, event. Um, and then the one that kind of inspired all this, my third uh, tip here was to host a virtual happy hour, invite six to eight friends. Um, the other thing is like contact the speakers that you were looking forward to talking to and, you know, check in with them about stuff, maybe ask a very specific and concise question and then follow up with what it is you did with their advice. And, um, I, I won't want to list each one of these here, but I will also say that one of the ones I thought was sort of underappreciated, which is to actually send in a note of appreciation to event organizers who are working really hard to try to figure <laughs> out how to move this online or adapt it in some way or continue to provide, you know, that, that content and that the opportunity for people to connect. So just thanking them. 
So you'll find all of these uh, written out nice and succinctly at robbysamuels.com forward slash nine, the number nine, nine ways. Uh, you'll also get a copy of that if you sign up for my weekly event on the schmooze.com. Sorry, uh, no more bad zoom.com on the schmooze.com is my, my podcast, but no more bad zoom.com brings you to my weekly event at five o'clock Eastern. You get a copy of the nine ways to network in a pandemic. Um, really, it was just about thinking about like what's happening in the world and, and how do we sort of meet this challenge. And Alan, honestly, I want to underscore is hosting. It's so powerful. I have a friend who lives in New York City who had been sort of on the very edges of the world of Broadway. And when the pandemic was hitting, you know, she was like, I want to make these connections. I'm trying to make these connections. So she started to host a, uh, an event. I don't know how frequently it was. It was like, I think every other week. She came to a few of my events. She learned a few things about how to run an effective meeting, um, you know, social. And a few, about six weeks in, she realized that a lot of these big name producers were coming to her events. And after a bit, they were coming just to her events because the other events weren't well run. And so she, you know, was on a first name basis with these people that she looked up to and was in awe of. And now they're all connected and making different, you know, collaborations happen. <laughs> yeah. So it, in, in like a, in a small moment of time, you know, within two months, she went from like, I, I, you know, I wish I could do more in this space, this very powerful Broadway space, to being someone that these big players knew and respected and thought she did such a good job. So we don't, I think that there are three kinds of people in the world who have uh, an impact are they're influencers and it's not easy to become an influencer. Like that's something you earn over time. There are connectors. Most of us are born into that. Uh, we, we're, you know, either good at connecting or you're not, it's an instinct. And then the thing that, that all of us could be is the host or the convener. Like we all have it in ourselves to take three friends out for lunch and, or nowadays, you know, bring three to six people onto a virtual space. And if you do that and do that consistently, that's profound. Now, how do you get better at online events? You do them all the time. So just like speaking professionally, you know, people say, well, how do you get better as a speaker? You get on more stages. The good news is in the online space, you don't have to wait for other people to grant you access to a stage. You get to set the stage yourself by just becoming a host and regularly hosting things. So it's something that, you know, again, I had certain instincts and I had certain technological know-how before the pandemic hit. Um, I had interests in this area of tech. I like getting, I like teaching. So in some ways, when I look back, it all makes perfect sense that I am where I am today with a four-week program that certifies people. And so that's called the 5% Advantage Program. I'm helping events bring their, uh, their online, you know, their in-person events online. I'm helping do Zoom producing so I can help facilitators and trainers and speakers do their thing. All this stuff makes a lot of sense, except that on March 11th, it didn't. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see what was around the corner for me. And I think that's true for a lot of people that there's hidden potential in this. I'm going to call this the great pause, you know, <laughs> this moment yeah, I mean, in history. Uh, you know, I, I work with my clients and so many of them uh, are still thinking the same thing they were thinking back in March 11th. And they haven't taken the next step. Uh, to transform their business and their business is falling behind. So that's the other thing. The, the reason that the program is called the 5% Advantage Program is that I believe we have to get 5% better every time we host or present online. 5% better every single time. That's how I, that, that continuous improvement. I mean, this is not a new concept. Kaizen is a Japanese method from 
you know, long, long time ago. Um, you know, factories and manufacturers have taken it on. I didn't know any of that. When I started doing this, I didn't know any of that. To me, it was just makes sense that incremental effort would compound and lead to great outcomes. And I lived it. You know, like I'm telling you that I started this thing on March 13th and March 20th, I tried out breakout rooms and now I'm being invited to speak to you and other membership organizations and get hired by clients as an expert. We're only talking a handful of months, right? Right. But so why can't anybody else do this? And if they don't do it, exactly what you just said, Alan, they're going to get left behind because the, the sort of mistakes and missteps that people were making, I mean, back in March and April, I went to two meetings where they said, okay, now we're going to go to breakout rooms. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, oh, oh, huh. They're not enabled. Okay. Um, what happened is, okay, so we're going to have to all leave. And then is, is that okay? Well, everyone leave and we're going to come back in. Twice this happened. Two different, two different times, different people. So we leave. We come back in. They're enabled. And then as we were leaving for one of them, the woman said, okay, what I learned last time is that you've got to wait 10 seconds before you log back in. And what I heard was, you didn't learn anything last time because you would have learned to make sure things were enabled. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. Professional speakers have an AV rider, right? When they go to Marriott, they have a list of what they need for their AV. It could be a lapel. For me, I was like a lapel mic. I don't want to have the podium up on stage. You know, I don't use PowerPoint, so I don't want the screen up behind me. Like everyone has their specifics. Some people want a flip chart, right? So when we're doing that in person, we have a very clear checklist. But online, speakers stop doing that. So I have sort of a Zoom, a, a Zoom rider. You know, it's a list of here's all the settings. In fact, people didn't have it. This is a, a no email opt-in giveaway. It is robbysamuels.com forward slash Zoom settings. robbysamuels.com forward slash Zoom settings. That is a PDF that has a, a link to a 12-minute video that walks you through all of the Zoom settings. They've recently been updated and rearranged. So I, I did a new video. But you have to, that's the ingredients. If you don't have the ingredients, you aren't going to make it a delicious meal. And, you know, you got to learn to then make sure that if you're going on someone else's Zoom link, that they have the things enabled. So I send this list of here's what, here's what you need to do. Here's a video you can follow. By, at a minimum, I need these things enabled. <laughs> and then I get, I said, you have to put the waiting room on. And then I come in before everyone else and I check. And I'm like, okay, before we open it to everybody else, let's make sure that everything's in the right place. Here are my poll questions. I check the poll questions when I get in the room. We have to own the experience as the presenter in the room. Yeah, so uh, what, what other tips in the last uh, few minutes can you add to help people like me, people like uh, uh, my listeners uh, to this podcast, help them uh, in what they're doing in their podcast? or being involved in networking events. Uh, uh, some of these presentations that people make are as boring and, and uh, they're, they're terrible. They, they well, haven't learned anything. Oh my God, bad Zoom, right? And th well, this some, is it. So, some of it is go to meeting, which doesn't yeah. allow you to meet people. And yet, yeah, meeting, <laughs> that's ironic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing. I use Zoom also a little bit in like a Xerox Kleenex kind of way. I don't mean it to be just Zoom. This is uh, Zoom's a very big player in this space. And there are some features that are only possible on Zoom, like breakout rooms. But 
um, you know, whether you're using, you know, Microsoft Teams or WebEx or a, a webinar format of some kind, it's always thinking about the purpose. Why are you there? And what do people hope from you? So even if it's a, a webinar, it doesn't mean you have to hide behind your slides. You know, you know, think about that. Is there a poll you want to pop up? Do you want to make sure that someone's, here's a tip for you, a very specific one. Have someone moderating chat and set up a Google Doc between you and that person. So you're the speaker and they're, the, they're your chat moderator or Zoom producer and have them copy the question, including the person's name and the timestamp into the Google Doc so that whenever there's a pause in your presentation, you can just glance at this Google Doc that you can pull up. You, know, you maybe have it tucked down a little bit on your screen, but when you're ready, you pull it up and you can kind of glance and say, okay, before I move on, let me see if there are any questions. Oh, I see this one's relevant to the moment. Let me answer this one. Mary earlier, she asked this question. And then that chat moderator, Zoom producer, deletes the question off the doc so you don't have to think about it again. This is so much better than you stopping and going, all right, let's just see if there's any questions. And then you sit there scrolling through and then mumbling to yourself. And what, what, oh, no, that's not like, well, why are people talking about cats? You know, like, you know, the <laughs> random conversations happening in chat. And so, you know, again, those questions are now also saved when there's time for Q&A in a more formal way. Maybe you're going to wait till the end to do more of it. Um, you can even have someone write in chat. Thank you so much for all your questions. Um, you know, we'll be addressing them more in a few minutes. Please keep them coming, you know, so that people know you're being acknowledged. So it's just like, there's thoughtful about the design of it in a way and making sure you have the right supports. While I train speakers on how to, how to do the, the rooms themselves and all these things, I do think there's limits to what a speaker can do. I think you should hire a Zoom producer if you're going to have a big crowd. If, even like honestly over 20 people, it can be quite a bit to manage. Um, and if you're getting paid, like in, if you were going to an in-person event, you would assume all the AV was already figured out for you. Um, so yes. in a way, and like the team, right. And like the, the whole production team would be figured out and you'd be talent these days, speakers need to be talent and they need to be a director and they need to be managing the AV experience and, 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 and they do strategy. And they're often the ones training organizations because we've seen more types of online events in the last few months than this one organization has. And so we can pull in. So, so we're being asked to do a lot more. Uh, for this organization. And in return, one of the things we need to get is a Zoom producer paid for out of that proposal, not out of the speaker's pocket. So it's, it's better for everyone. It's a better experience, but not every organization understands like, wait, I'm hiring you. Why don't you just come and do it? Like, well, yeah, but you would normally have also hired the AV team. Like, you know, this is a, this is a thing you would have provided. Right. And now you have, to, I'm, the, I'm actually going to source the person and train them for you. <laughs> the least you could do is pay their hourly. Yeah. So uh, any last comments that you want to make in the, in the last uh, few minutes of the podcast to, to help uh, the listeners? Well, I, I honestly, I think uh, I'm going to encourage everyone to really think about who they can bring together on a regular basis via an online platform, right? And just commit to doing that. Commit to hosting something. It could be a small gathering. It could be friends from your grad school. It could be your neighbors. It could be colleagues that you haven't worked with in years, whatever it is, just say, okay. I mean, I just recently did a virtual reunion for my high school and it wasn't a big year. It was our 28th. It wasn't like on the year that you would normally do it, but now it went well enough that we're going to do it quarterly. That means there's now four times a year. I have the opportunity to, again, experience and practice that space 
And so I'm constantly looking for reasons to facilitate, moderate, speak, host these online experiences because every time I do it, I try to get better. So that's what I want to leave your audience with is find a reason. This is not necessarily a a thing you're going to get paid for, but it might turn into that. But it's something that you just do because when you're then being paid, you're just so much more confident. I have an 86-year-old student. She's a former, she went through my four-week program. 86, she's still delivering great content. She's amazing. And la- she, she learned Zoom and then last minute got asked to do on Microsoft Teams w- within an hour's notice. And the, the, the knowledge she learned from practicing on Zoom meant that she, in an hour, got set up on Teams and basically said, oh, this is kind of all the same. I'm good. And move, move flawlessly through the whole program without missing a beat. Here's a person she likes to tell us didn't have phones growing up. So if a person who yes. didn't have phones growing up, <laughs> well, can, I, yeah, yeah, my dad was 99 when he uh, almost 100, and he died a month and a, two and a half months ago. Uh, there, and he was high into technology. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I just think that you know, with it's the practice of doing it that helped her get better at it, not just thinking about it, not worrying about it. But actually, now she's running a Tai Chi and painting classes. <laughs> I mean, these are neither of her like professions. It's not what she talks on, but it's giving her a chance to practice doing it. So I, this is what I, I implore everyone to do. Just find a reason to host something and get better. And remember, don't judge yourself on the first three efforts. Judge yourself on your last three. Because, you know, when I look back at my first podcast episodes, please, please, give, <laughs> please be kind about my first three episodes. But if you want to go back and give me critique of my last three, totally fair. Totally fair. Okay. So that's the thing, too. It's like we're going to get better over time, but by, but by doing it. Well, thank you very much for, for being a guest tonight. Absolutely. Uh, uh, how can the listeners reach you? I know you've given a couple of websites, uh, but how can they reach you or reach your websites? Um, and be in touch. Uh, my website is robbysamuels.com, R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com. Nomorebadzoom.com is how to find out about my free weekly virtual happy hour, a mix of content, networking, lots of Q&A. Um, we have a good time. That's a lot of fun. Uh, on the schmooze.com is my podcast. So those are three great sort of places to start. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn and all the socials. So if you go to my websites, you'll, you'll find all those links as well. And uh, I encourage you to reach out and say hello. Thank you again very much for being on the podcast. Uh, and I, I uh, wish you luck and uh, we'll stay in touch. I'm Alan Hirsch of Alan Hirsch Advisors, your host. Reach me, uh, visit my website, www.alanhirschadvisors.com. You can listen to the podcast uh, where you get your podcast or within a couple of weeks, uh, it will be on YouTube as well. So, uh, uh, and I'm Alan Hirsch and this has been AHA Business Podcast.